Welcome to This Wayfaring Life, where we celebrate coming fully alive to the adventure of following Jesus. I'm your host, Dawn Jackson. Each week, we lean into stories and conversations of faith and hope seasoned with just enough grit to give you traction. I'm glad you're here. Hey friends, as always, it is an honor to be back here with you on This Wayfaring Life and uh, really hoping that your 2024 in this first month of it has gotten off to a great start. You know, I mentioned on the last episode, I don't really, I'm not against New Year's resolutions, but it's not something I normally do. But I do occasionally have something like where I'll say at the beginning of the year, like, hey, I'd like to at least, you know, do X. And a couple of my X's, if you will, would be uh, at least read two books a month. And then I'm wanting to run, ride, hike, cycle, like any combination of those under my own power, basically, uh, 2,400 miles this year. So I should be able to hit that as well. But going back to the book one, uh, my first book here this year that I've been reading that I am loving, and uh, that is Practicing the Way by John Mark Comer. And the subtitle is Be With Jesus, Become Like Him, Do As He Did. And this is not the shout out. I'm just, this is just a little added extra because this book is so so good. And so there's a couple quotes here. I just want to throw them out to you just to get us going here today. And these are random um, in the sense that they're not what we're specifically talking about today in the main body of the episode, but they grabbed my attention really quickly. So this first one uh, comes off of page, uh, what is that, 26? And he's quoting Eugene Peterson. And this is after considering the fact that Jesus has said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Like we, if you've been in church for a while, you've heard that before. And uh, this is what he says. He says, as the Presbyterian pastor, Eugene Peterson, once said, the Jesus way wedded to the Jesus truth brings about the Jesus life, which is awesome. He then concludes, Jesus as the truth gets far more attention than Jesus as the way. Jesus as the way is the most frequently evaded metaphor among Christians with whom I've had, I have worked for 50 years as a North American pastor. And I just had to write wow next to that. It's just not talked about that much about Jesus being the way. We love it. He's our truth. He's our peace. He's our healer. He's the way, which of course this podcast and my business is named after this. And I think part of the reason that it gets pushed to the side by some is that when you talk about Jesus being the way, you're talking about his lifestyle and that you surrender your lifestyle to his to become like him in all things, you know? So uh, just interesting that Eugene Peterson would even say something like that, that it's hardly ever talked about. And I think that's because we really do want to decide for ourselves how we're going to live our lives. But the Jesus way is the way, my friends. And we are followers of the one who is the way. We are wayfarers here in this podcast. And so, um, yeah, we're going to keep leaning into that word. Also then later on, in the book, he's on page, I think 66 or so, something like that, 67. And he's talking about just, just the nature of the, of where we are living, this society that we're living in culture and all of that. And this is what he writes. He says, it's there because in any, it's, um, it's there because in any age, but especially in ours, it's incredibly easy to waste our lives, amusing ourselves to death. Ooh waste our lives, amusing ourselves to death. As the social um, critic Neil Postman called it, as it's never been more convenient. 
You can disappear into the black hole of Netflix, become a workaholic in pursuit of riches or fame, or simply eat, drink, and be merry in the adult playground of the modern city. Western culture is arguably built around the denial of death through the coping mechanism of distraction. As Ronald Rollheiser put it, we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. That's like I want to put that emoji with the with the brain exploding, the head just exploding, right? It's just mind-blowing. And it's truth. We are such a distracted society in the church, out of the church. I mean, we live such distracted lives and it hinders it hinders our, our being able to really live fully for Christ. It, it hinders, it hinders peace. It hinders so much. It's not healthy, but Hey, once again, it's part of the reason for this podcast. Not that I'm perfect by any means, but just that we have this heart that's bent that says, Lord, I don't want to be distracted. I want to live focused for you pursuing the one who is the way. So like I said, that was not the uh, shout out, but I guess it could have been. So you might just, you get two shout outs this week. You might want to go pick up the book, Practicing the Way by John Mark Comer. It's really, really good. But the shout out for this week actually goes to Revelation Wild. So you're like, Revelation Wild, what is that? Well, there's an organization known as Revelation Wellness. It's a nonprofit that provides faith-based training for your body, mind, and spirit. And part of what they provide is a program called Rev Wild. And Rev Wild, I took part in this last year, and it teaches you how to lead others um, through outdoor adventures. And it's Christ-centric. So this is, it takes care of, um, well, let me just say this. It emphasizes like the development of your outdoor leadership skills, your, your, just your basic outdoor skills, and soul care. And it culminates in a five-day backpacking trip in the Rockies. And these people are great people. I loved being in the program. I don't remember how many weeks it was. There was a certain amount of weeks on Zoom where you would meet. You had homework that you did. Some of it was getting into the Bible. Some of it was skills development, everything from, oh, I don't know, everything for backpacking, which I'm going to take a lot of that and actually put a workshop together in just a couple of months for all of you in this wayfaring uh, life or this, uh, yeah, I'm going to put together a workshop for all of us and I'll, I'll promo that at another time. But anyway, they teach all this stuff and, um, yeah, and how to do everything outside and then also group leading skills and all of that as well. I loved it. They're great people. I highly, highly recommend it. So if you have a heart, um, if you're an outdoor enthusiast and you want to lead others in the back country, um, Check them out. Check them out. I'll put the link, as always, in the show notes. Now, we are in a series called Come Alive. And uh, we, we did in the initial one, we did an overview of what it looks like to break free from shame in the initial episode on this. And that was in like the first week. And then if you came out to the workshop that we had, um, Creative for Love, we really talked deep about that, breaking off that shame piece. And then last week's episode, we talked about having a vision for our life and that we don't go actually in inventing it or creating it. We actually discern it because God already had a plan for us being here. And if we can really lean in and just really ask some deep questions through prayer and through journaling, we can begin to discern what is our life vision statement. Now, life vision statements are, are really, really powerful, um, but there are some things that can get in the way of living according to our life vision. And eventually where we're going to go with this is we're going to be at a place where we're going to, we're going to get a life purpose statement, our mission statement, and then goals and all of that. But I want to spend this week deep diving on core needs 
because if your core needs are not met, they can become in a healthy way. They can then become drivers in your life and they get in the way of discerning and living according to your life vision. So let me tell you a story, true story. Back in 2008, I accidentally ended up in a week of intensive group processing therapy. Yeah, accidentally. And in case you're wondering, well, what is process therapy? It's therapy that helps you develop personal awareness and the ability to identify with repressed thoughts and emotions and experiences that may negatively affect your everyday life. And so, um, what I had seen was this advertisement put out by Dr. Cloud and Dr. Townsend. These are Christian psychologists, and they were putting together a leadership retreat in Orange County for people in the ministry, as well as Christian businessmen and women. And I did not read the small print. So all I knew is these guys, like I loved reading Cloud and Townsend material. These were the guys on boundaries, and they had curated such great leadership material material that in my mind, therapy was the farthest thing from my mind when I saw this. It was just advertised initially in the big letters as like a leadership retreat, like for a week with Cloud and Townsend. So, and you know, in my mind, like what could therapy possibly have to do with leadership? Uh, I had so much to learn. Now, um, you have to understand where I was at this point in my life. I had been successful. I was not afraid to go after goals. I'd seen when I was the junior high director at the church, I had seen exponential growth in junior high ministry. When I moved up to high school and became the high school pastor, we grew like we, we, there was us and one other church in the Valley. We were the same size. We were the largest youth ministries in the San Gabriel Valley. Um, and, and then when I moved on to doing groups at the church, that exploded as well. So in a sense, I'd had what you might say was success. Okay. But of course, success looks different in different situations, but I had the numbers. And so I had never thought about the fact that maybe I needed to take a look and maybe I needed some, maybe I needed to be in therapy. Maybe I needed some help. But as this week that I'd signed up got closer, I realized that this event might be just a little deeper than what I had originally thought it was. So my interest was peaked as I read a little bit more of the fine print. But I seriously just envisioned Dr. Cloud, Dr. Townsend speaking numerous times throughout the week. And, uh, but when I got there, the reality was they would just speak once or twice a day. And the rest of the time we were in small groups led by therapists asking us some very personal questions. And this was a retreat. It's not like you went home and sort of like, I don't know if it used the word I might've back then used the word escape, but no, you stayed there. You were there overnight as well for a week. Now the people in my group, they opened up immediately. It was like they came for this. Obviously they read the fine print. Um, There were tears. There was rehashing of painful moments from their past. I was there like wide eyed wondering what did I get myself into? I didn't know how to answer these questions, right? I, I didn't even know how I felt. I was so disconnected from my own emotions. I couldn't even name them. Now, this ended up being the best thing that could have happened to me. I was exactly where I needed to be. And as I was there that week, towards the end, it was probably Thursday, this woman in the group who came across to me as being very needy. And by needy, I meant like I could feel her pulling on my energy. She came across a bit whiny. She cried very easily, right? And so 
it, who I was back then, I sort of had this label on her. I was nice, but to me, she just seemed needy. And, um, so in the middle of our session in front of everybody, she turns to me and she says, Dawn, I can feel you pushing me away. And I just sat there silent. Like I didn't even know what to say. She looks at me. She says, you are keeping me at arm's distance. And I was speechless because she was right. She had freaked me out and I didn't know what to do. So I didn't let her in close. I was kind and all of that. But what I, what I ended up learning in the rest of what was left of that week of process therapy, as well as then after this, I went and found a therapist to unpack everything I was learning and, and spend some time in therapy after this. Um, I learned that I was afraid of my own needs. So anyone who seemed to be needy freaked me out because I didn't want to be reminded that I had needs as well. But what I've since come to find and learn and believe Needs are actually healthy. We all have them, but it's important for them to get met in a healthy way or they will drive you. And that's what was happening to me. I was being driven by unmet needs and fear was behind all of it. Now my unmet needs were driving an addiction to performance. So we don't have time to really go into this in depth. I might, I'll share some here and there. But like I said, I was doing well, but part of the reason I was doing well is I was trying to meet unhealthy, I was trying to meet needs in an unhealthy way. And what happened too is because I had this fear of my own needs, it held me back from meeting Jesus in that broken space and processing those needs with him and then getting that need met in a healthy manner. Because I was stuffing the needs, pretending that, it, that they were not there um, and not, not addressing them. I lacked awareness. I actually was meeting missing encounters with Jesus because when those needs come up, they're nothing to be ashamed of. They're actually a place to go to have communion with the Lord and be able to unpack them with him as well as with close friends. But I was missing all of that because I was keeping them stuffed. I was a professional emotion and need stuffer. So then a lot of that just comes from different life sentences. I had found in my childhood... I had come to believe that others really couldn't be trusted to meet my needs. Um, I didn't feel like my needs mattered to others. And so I really felt, and I didn't think this consciously all the time. This was after doing therapy when I came to find this out that I, I found that, or what I was thinking subconsciously is I shouldn't have needs because they're bad. So I just pushed them down. And for me, it was shameful to be needy. Now, as I'm saying this, I'm assuming there's got to be at least one other person out there listening <laughs> that deals with something like this. I mean, come on. Most of us have learned how to pretend to have it all together. And I was right there with you. You see, when we're in denial of our needs, we push them underground where they gain power and they begin to run our lives. It's sort of like if you ever been in the pool and you try to take a uh, beach ball and put it under the water, it's sort of fun. Like you try to sit on it, right? And you rock back and forth, but eventually you lose your balance and the ball comes shooting out off the water, right? Imagine trying to do that with a bunch of ping pong balls. And those would be like our different needs and emotions. And when we're trying to stuff them all under the water, we can't, they're going to erupt. They're going to come out somewhere. Now it's important to understand that needs differ from wants and desires. Needs exert a driving force. There's an intensity about them. And I want to talk with us a little bit about needs here today. And most of this material is coming from a book called Becoming a Professional Life Coach. I'll put a link to it 
um, in the show notes. And I'm very much indebted to this book for a lot of this. Now, for needs and understanding needs, it's really important, first of all, to acknowledge that our needs exist, that they are actually real. There's nothing wrong with having them. It's actually normal. It's healthy to have needs. And needs are essential to us now, um, now in our life. Um, when a need is fulfilled, we don't notice it. So let's just say this. You have a need to breathe, but you don't think about it until someone tries to hold you underwater, right? Then you think about it. Or until you're on top of a very high mountain and the air is thin, then you think about it. So as long as a need is being met, you really aren't thinking about it. Needs also come up sometimes in various situations. They can appear because something has suddenly changed. Um, So now a need is not sufficiently met. So I remember reading about a client, or I remember reading in, in this book, they were describing a woman who had changed roles at her job. And so she was working in a different department and she began to realize that she was feeling like just really, really lonely. And she had, she'd never felt that way when she worked in the other department. Well, what had happened is the department she worked in previously, they would always go out to lunch with one another. They hung out after office hours were done, like they were tight. And so her need for connection was being met. But when she went to this other department, these people were great people, but they didn't go to lunch together. They ate on their own. They didn't hang out after work. And so she realized, I have a need for connection. And then she was able from that to make decisions to make sure that need became met in a healthy way. And when it is sufficiently met, it will go away. It drops back into the background. If it doesn't, though, it can drive a person. And when it drives us, sometimes we do some crazy things. Because needs drive our choices and our possibilities. And if we're unaware of them, we will be unconsciously driven to satisfy them. So it's important to begin to identify needs. And if you remember, we won't go into this in depth, but if you took any psychology in high school or in college, you might remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That unless you had the basic foundational needs of like, what was it? Like food and shelter, like those types of things and clothing those had to be met first before you could think about things that were maybe on a higher order. It's sort of that same concept. You're not going to be able to live from your values, which is what's when you live from your values, that releases your creativity. You can't do that when needs are not being met or if they're being not being met in a healthy manner. So how do you recognize a need? I'm going to give you a couple ways here. One way to recognize is to track your emotions. When a need is not being met, we feel frustrated right? Fearful, disappointed, hurt, and angry. I'll notice I'll start to feel graspy, hanging on to things. I get defensive. Unmet needs cause us to feel empty, incomplete, or less than whole. When, uh, but when we're not driven by needs, we have the full freedom to be ourselves. It's two completely different feelings. In fact, we experience a feeling of relief of relief when a, when the need is fulfilled. Now, if it was simply a desire or want, we would simply feel satisfied. But when a need is fulfilled, it's like whew, there's relief. And needs tend to come in one of four categories. They could be in category a category of security. There's a category of power and influence. There's the category of achievement or attainment and also of intimacy, relationship, and connection. And you could check out that book that I told you about. It lists a whole bunch of things there. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to put in the show notes 
a link to an assessment. And this assessment was created by Cheryl Weir. And this assessment, what it does is it helps you to assess your core needs and your core values. And I want to encourage you to take this assessment and see what comes out as your core needs. And sometimes you got to understand with some of our core needs, they may at times um, appear to be a little narcissistic or misguided. And we might be a little embarrassed, like, wait, why is that a core need? And first of all, please don't let them shame you. That's not it at all. Really step back and take a look and unpack it. Sometimes when you dig deeper, you'll actually find an original unmet need underneath it. That's what happened to me. And, and I'll share that here in a second. In the book, it gives this example. Sometimes like somebody might see they have a need for dominance or power or control. And they might be embarrassed, like, my gosh, why do I have these as my needs? But quite possibly underneath those, the original um, unmet needs would be the need for acceptance, recognition, being valued. So when I first did this assessment, one of my needs that came out was the need to achieve. which is not necessarily embarrassing or shameful, but I was wondering, why do I need to achieve? I mean, like I said, for so many of my years, I had achieved quite a bit when it came to work life, but why was I driven towards it? What was underneath that? And so I sat with that in prayer and just journaling with the Lord. And that's when I came to realize underneath the need to achieve was actually a deeper need. And that was the need for me to be valued. Well, why did I need to be valued? Well, part of my story from the brokenness in my family when my parents split up and things just went crazy in my family is that I dealt with emotional abandonment. And so being, having that season of being emotionally abandoned, I found that if I could do something that you would value, I wouldn't be left. I wouldn't be abandoned. See how it makes sense? So I had this driving need. I thought it was achieved, but no, it was valued. And I want you to value me because if you value me, you won't leave me. The problem was, is that sometimes, not always, but sometimes in trying to achieve things, I wasn't doing that in a healthy way. We have to be careful. Like you think about the one for achieving, you might run over the top of people to get things done. You might work yourself into the ground to get things done. Um, there's just why, because it's all about production. It's all about this need to achieve. I was addicting, addicted to the doing aspect of things because I had to have value because if I was valued, it made me feel safe. So you could see sort of the power of diving into this because then for me, it became, okay, how do I get that need to be valued met in a healthy way? And for myself, that was sitting back and spending a long time for a while. The Lord in my daily devotionals had me reading the Song of Solomon in the Passion version of the, of the Bible, where just realizing just how much I was valued by him. I had a lot of deep um, journaling times and just prayer times with the Lord. So first and foremost, finding my value that comes out of my relationship with Christ, but then also developing those safe relationships around me with people who loved me for just being me, that they didn't value me for what I could do for them, but they just loved me for me. And that was really important so that that need is now, I think it's pretty much met in a healthy way where I don't have to be, I mean, it doesn't mean you don't pursue excellence. You do, but you're not running over yourself or others, driving others and yourself into the ground, working so hard so that you can achieve, so that you can feel good. That's just a trap. 
That's a trap. So you have this assessment and when you find out what your needs are, the key is make friends with them and learn to find satisfying and nourishing ways to meet each of your needs. So when you do the assessment and this assessment is from Cheryl Weir, um, I want to give you some questions right here too, that you can jot down. So maybe you come back to these on the podcast once you've taken the assessment, but these are some self-coaching questions. Now, what I'd encourage you to do with, with this is you could do it all by yourself if you'd like. But you could also find a friend and do this together. Like, hey, I found this assessment. Would you work with me on this? Do it, do it in your small group or get a coach. The benefit of having a coach is a coach provides accountability and continues to open up questions to help you discover more and more and bring more self-awareness to your life so that you can make decisions moving into the future that really propel you towards the legacy that you want to leave. But here are the questions Um, for you to consider. These are coaching questions. You know, why do I have this need? What's under it? What caused it? And that's where I I did that deep dive. And that's what I was talking about my need to achieve. All right. Um, Oftentimes, by the way, needs are pieces of development that were not handled well in our life. That's according to Cheryl Weir. So all these are Cheryl Weir's questions. Here we go. Is the need being met? And if so, how? And why is it important to me? Then the next one, who am I when I get it met? How do I act? What do I think about? What motivates me? And then the next one, how and why am I not currently getting this need met? What are the costs to me? In other words, by the fact that you're not getting that need met in a healthy way, and be honest with yourself, right? If it's not being met in a healthy way, what is that costing you emotionally, financially, relationally, or what are the benefits to you? Because sometimes deep diving on this is hard. So maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe you don't want it. It's giving you time by not deep diving into this, but is this something that you're willing to live with? Here's the next question. What three changes would I make, um, to fully meet and satisfy this need? And the last question she has, it's not so much a question. Then she just directs, take some time then making changes in your personal boundaries and raising your personal standards so that those needs are met in a healthy way. Woo. It's a lot there. Hey, well, you know, this is this week as well as last week, as well as the next few weeks coming up are going to be heavy coaching weeks. I want to get you resources and resources where you can really live from a place of, uh, being, knowing who God has created you to be, what he is calling you to do so that you can be the one following him on the way, right? Following the one who is the way on the way and living from that place, a purpose deep down inside of you that God created for you. It's a powerful place to go and to be. So we're going to keep deep diving, my friends. Next week, we will do the values piece. You can go ahead if you want and do the values assessment that's there. It's right there with the needs one. And then when you pop into uh, the podcast, you'll be ready to go on that because you'll already know what your values are. But make sure to spend the majority of your time this week, though, reflecting on those needs and how are they being met? Because like I said earlier, if they're not being met in a healthy way, you won't be able to live from your values because the needs will get in the way. All right, friends, have a great week and I'll talk with you later. 
Thank you for joining me today on This Wayfaring Life. If you'd like more information on coaching with me, head over to thiswayfaringlife.net where I offer growth coaching for life, leadership, and spiritual formation. See you next time.